Welcome, welcome back to The Drop, the STAB weekly podcast in which we break down the surf news. I am your captain, Big Dick Power Surfer, and today I am joined by a special guest. We will be speaking with the number one fantasy surfer in the world right now. I think you're going to like him. I don't want to spoil anything, but you've heard him here before, and he is ranked number one worldwide, globally, in a fantasy surf league, so it's going to be a good chat. We will be going through the Sterling Spencer documentary called Are You Serious? We're going to talk about the Challenge series this year. We're going to talk about PEP11 in Australia and why climate activists can no longer be meek. We're going to talk about the Olympics, uh, a conversation which our guests seem to particularly adore. And we will then talk about the 2000s trend in surf fashion right now. It was a good time. We went on the rails, we went off the rails, and now let's unveil the mystery. Here is your special guest. Let's go. All right, I am here with the number one ranked fantasy surfer in the world right now, Stab staff writer Paul Evans. Paul, tell me first about your journey to that number one spot on fantasy surfer yeah i mean it's been it's been an interesting journey quite a short one because it's the first time i've ever done it and uh, we should probably asterisk that by just saying i'm not actually winning fantasy surfer that the world surf league does um it's, there's an alternative uh game called fantasy surf sessions it's i think it's australian and some friends of mine some industry former industry bigwigs actually do that one and they asked me to join. It was a hundred bucks in. You can win a hundred per event. And at the end, you get all the rest of the money. There's about 25 people, 10 events. That's two and a half grand. They'll give out a thousand for the winners of each event. So at the end, you get you get 1500 bucks as well as any events that you want. And I've already broken even by smashing Sunset and coming second at Pipe. And to be clear, you're number one worldwide in this terribly obscure platform that nobody uses i'm number one in my club and i'm also number one in the whole of the earth however once again another little asterisk. <laughs> there's, not that, there's not that many people do i think there's yeah there's a couple there's a couple of hundred there's a couple of hundred people it's not thousands but still number one's number one mate it's not to be sniffed at. i was gonna ask i was gonna ask you to see how many were in there so that's good i mean under 100 i would have been you know we would have needed a pretty big asterisk maybe a galaxy of them but i mean over 100 that's not bad that's better than i've ever done even though i've never i can't say i've ever given it like a full year i've tried before i just can't ever make it past like two events do you think you'll make it the whole year of like focused effort in this thing yeah definitely now that i've got a taste of winning um i could i could probably go full wilco and come sort of flying out the gates and then just yeah, not 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 get a result the rest of the season and sort of lose the yellow jersey kind of coming into France, was it? Um, but no, I'm doing it all year for sure. I'm locked in and I surely I can't fuck it up from here. I got a massive lead, mate. I'm wow. miles ahead. Also, I'll, uh, there's some of the people I'll be taking money off, um, including Stephen Belly Bell. Um, he's in there. We've got... Derek O'Neill used to be the that global CEO of, of Billabong and all that huge group when it was big. It's his it's actually his his thing. Reed Pinday's in there, another another Billabong exec wow. from Europe. So 
Yeah, the sort of people I'd, I'd love to take cash off, basically. So that's my main incentive. Yeah, that's good motivation there. Just looking at uh, people who've done quite well for themselves and go, you know what? Give me that. Brody Carr, um, former ASP CEO, he's in it too. Wow, okay. I didn't know it. So not only... Everyone in my group peaked in sort of 2008, <laughs> basically. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really... Yeah, I suppose you could probably sort of say the same thing about me. So, yeah, it's basically from people who peaked... Um, just, just sort of before Dane Reynolds, basically. That's the era. Is is yeah. Is is that's how our group identifies. But I think there's some um, relevant, still relevant people in there too, probably. Well, that's. Uh, I think that's going to come up in a later story that we'll get into. But before we start getting into this week's stories, I just want to let everybody know I stole your place this week. I I took your job. I was a commentator at mm. the Perfect Chapter event in Carcavelos, Portugal. One by Nick Von Rupp in Thumping Tubes. And uh, I was a last-minute addition to the broadcast team because old bigwig C.T. Evans decided uh, he couldn't make the trip down, huh? Yeah, I had a wisdom tooth out yesterday, and I knew I was going to miss it if I came down. Um, and it's been it's been problematic, this tooth. So I thought I'd better stick to the rendezvous, and, you know, it's hard to get doctor's appointments around here. Couldn't make it. I thought you did a, a great job, mate. I tuned in for some of it and I thought you were really good. Someone else said that you sounded like a stoned Jota Pell, which I thought was, <laughs> that's, 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 that's high praise. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You did sound a bit like a stoned Pell. You sounded like you were enjoying it. I, I thought you were good. Oh, thank you. I was enjoying it. Uh, I was not stoned. I'm not opposed to that. I don't think I would have been able to really complete any thoughts if I was in fact stoned for it but that is i definitely take that as praise as well that's a compliment but yeah that, i love that event actually it's a it's a one and done isn't it it's just that one day it's not even a day it's like six hours maybe five six hours um it's a really really cool one and a good good crew working on it and obviously they only hold it and the waves are good so normally commentary does seem to go that bit easier when everyone's getting barreled rather than you know not getting barreled but but well done to everyone involved particularly you mm. and me indirectly i love that yeah thanks to you indirectly but i do love like i kind of feel like you threw a little bit of shade there just saying oh yeah cute little five six hour day because i was so fried by the end of it and i kind of found that surprising like you you've mentioned it to me before you've been on those like those grinds when there's especially a few events stacked up one against another and it's like more like eight hour days but even in that day i was like just mentally cooked after so that was nice the way you just said, oh, yeah, that's cute, Buck. You spoke for, you know, your little four or five hour day and nice work. So Yeah, you, you slipped, slipped a little easy one in. Um, I think you, for your next one, maybe I'd recommend Pantin, the QS of Pantin. Um, <laughs> it doesn't get dark. It doesn't get dark there till about midnight somehow, <laughs> uh, just because it's so far away from everywhere. And the heats, yeah, so you can do some solid 15, 16 hour days. Um, the round of 196, it's usually terrible the surf and you know obviously a lot of the surfing isn't you know it's not great either so yeah day five of that and you look at your heat drop you still got the same people that you were <laughs> commentating on feels like a decade ago no one's been knocked out yet um yeah i feel you're probably ready for, to take that next step wow well i'll uh i'll see what i can do there you're really selling it on me but i'm excited to hear you and panish i to see you and panish too you'll be on the ct team do you know do you have like a specific role set yet? Like, do they tell you in advance who you're going to be working with and that kind of side of it? I'm excited to see me and Panish as well. 
very much so I'm really looking forward to it so that like my mood is basically I'm really excited about Panish the wisdom tooth's got me a little bit bummed I was sort of bleeding last night onto my pillow and really sad and kind of vulnerable mm. yeah I asked Heidi to go and sleep in another room just because I felt really sorry for myself <laughs> just I can't I can't have you in here <laughs> um oh no but I am looking forward to it um I think, yeah, I'm not entirely sure who the rest of the team is. I mean, who cares? I'm going. That's the only important thing, mate. And no, in all seriousness, um, I am really looking forward to it. I'm a little bit worried about what we've seen in the forecast so far. It doesn't, doesn't look amazing at the start of the waiting period. But um, hey, let's keep it positive. Let's keep it positive. You wrote a great preview, too, that we'll be dropping early next week. That's next week, though. And the purpose of this show is to talk about this week, so let's get into the stories. Watch. Are you serious? The Sterling Spencer documentary. This is a this is a video. This is a video, and it tells Sterling Spencer's story from his childhood to where he's at now. You maybe didn't know much about him as a kid, but I'm sure you remember him as the guy who was doing all those funny skits and really found a way to like work with the biggest names in surfing and rope them into these just absurd things. Uh, Jeremy Flores might not be his biggest fan, but I think the rest of us pretty much universally loved him. And then he had a pretty severe brain injury. And during that time, he was kind of, people were confused because he had that kind of humorous skit-driven side of him and so nobody could really tell if he was serious or not about this brain injury, hence the title. And yeah, it's an incredible watch. Paul, what do you think of it? Brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. One of the best things I've seen in ages. I really, really enjoyed this. I, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be shit. Um, but I, I thought it was really, really good. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, yeah, he's a fascinating character, actually. And, and um, yeah, it's um, it's quite a raw look at the the stuff that's happened to him, and there's some really sort of tender moments in there. That I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but this this doctor that he ends up finding, Doctor Doug, is kind of becomes almost like a bit of a proxy for his dad, doesn't he? And you know, he's dealing with that with that loss as well, and this this kind of stuff. And I I just thought it was, um, a really really cool, interesting look back at someone that, like you said, everyone's sort of been aware of him. But you don't really know much about him. I couldn't. I couldn't really be able to say anything about him other than that Jeremy Flores incident. I think he got choked out for that, did he? In the end of it, I can't, can't remember. This. I remember hearing some stories around the surfer pole. Maybe the surfer pole is always good for when they had it. When Surfer Magazine was a thing, and they'd gather everybody on the North Shore once a year. There's almost every year something would kind of go horribly wrong from the Noah Dean fuck the WSL to uh, some behind the scenes extracurricular slapping, stranglings, what have you. So I think he may have been a little bit roped up in that. But I, I really enjoyed the, this, this film. I thought it was really cool for a number of reasons. I, I'm, I like his voice as well, Sterling Spencer. Do you remember J.P. Spears? Remember that guy, the guy with the long ginger hair that used to do those videos about... He used to be like, he used to do these spoof like vegan recipes. Do you remember that guy? He's got exactly the same voice as Sterling Spencer anyway. I don't know if he's around anymore, whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it, the story was really, really well told. And um, yeah, I'm dealing, it had to deal with depression and a lot of stuff like that. And it sounded pretty dark for a while. I also came away thinking if you, if you I mean, depression's obviously no joke, but if you were going to have it, it seems quite nice to have it in Florida where it's kind of sunny. I mean, 
it could have gone a lot, lot different if it was like, you know, in Scotland or something. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking cool story. Features some of the, you know, biggest names in surfing. And there's loads there that like, I guess no one really had any idea what was going on with this guy. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big reasons why that's the case is because I mean, Stab does some content where we kind of license it, but this is an example of something that was an, our idea that we went out and executed. But the guy who we had made this film, make this film, Dave Malcolm, he worked with Sterling a lot over the years. He made some of the longer videos. I mean, it comes up they, when Sterling wasn't in a great place. They kind of had a falling out because they just really weren't getting along. And Sterling said he was in a place where he was probably very, very difficult to deal with because he was suffering from this brain injury, from depression. And I think given the fact that he really trusted Dave and they have so much experience working together, it made it so that Sterling was really candid and, you know, Dave also had access to his family. And then also you see people like Dane Reynolds, Shane Dorian in here. Then the hero, Dr. Doug, Dr. Doug, you have to go to Alabama of all places to find this uh, neurologist named Dr. Doug who helped get him on the right track. So it's an incredible watch. It looked like one of those weird churches, didn't it? Dr. Doug's place had the little sign out the front and it kind of looked like a house. And I was like, uh oh, this is one of those weird churches you guys have over there. But no, it was apparently it was all legit. And he, he, he kind of t turned, well, completely saved him. Brilliant watch. I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll give it two thumbs up. Um, and even just another look at some of the old funny stuff with him being sort of cradled by various surf stars and, um, but, you know, camping it up a bit with Rob Machado. It's, I just it was really funny. Well done to everyone involved. A lot of people probably didn't understand or know where Sterling even came from. Like, he wasn't the best surfer. He was a great surfer, but he wasn't like his talent alone got him to the point of recognition which he got to. And, I mean, I grew up on the East Coast as well. And there's this point in the beginning where he talks about his upbringing and his dad was this legend and they had this surf shop down there that gets covered in detail in the story. You kind of mentioned it before, but when he lost his dad, that kind of put him in a dark place. Uh, anyway, before that, growing up, they had this van and you see this van, they talk about it and Sterling was just, there's a photo of him on the side of it. And he talks about how he'd roll up to contests and everybody would just assume that he was like this big deal because he was on the side of the van. I 100% had that experience. Like I was at like an East Coast championship, whatever event, and I was like, fuck, this guy must be like the most insane sponsored next big thing because like there's a van and he's on it. And so I don't know if this is a great thing to put out there given the amount of Sprinter vans we now have around today, but if you want to confuse people into thinking that you or your child is kind of a big deal, put them on the van. It's that simple. Uh, it's scary scary advice that I feel like I'm giving out here. I don't really want to live in a world where every Sprinter van has has kind of these big printed images of children on them, maybe Instagram handles. Not a world I necessarily want to live in, but I'd feel rude not sharing that lesson. When I get to Portugal on Monday, if my pickup isn't a van with a, a big picture of me on the side with my headset on in the studio, just kind of thinking of a really sort of great question, incisive question to ask Strider. Um, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully the WSL crew, we know they listen. Write that down because Paul has high expectations and they're quite clear. I'll put it, I'll, I'll put it in my rider. 
I want some all blue M&Ms, some white towels and a van with my face massive on the side. <laughs> We've got a challenge series. If you are a longtime listener of this program, you know that each year a committee of professional skiers gets together and year after year they vote us the world's number one challenger series podcast. So it is our duty to cover this series as closely as possible. And this story, which I threw together, breaks down some challenges facing the challenger series this year. Basically, it's in a weird place. The U.S. Open of Surfing in Huntington Beach is no longer sponsored by Vans. It's almost certain that that event will go ahead anyway, but the main sponsor that's been there for the past few years pulled out. France has been iffy. I don't know if you've heard any more whispers about that, Paul. I should ask you. I, I reached out the tourism board for this story, but basically France had that CT for over a decade. I know they had some history with Lacanau and occasionally on Glet, but the one there in Hoscore was a good decade behind it. And then that got mixed up because the new tour schedule would have put the traditional window of October after the finals, so that didn't work. Portugal was able to move into this window in March, but that would have been way more difficult to pull off an event in France. It was a Challenger Series event one year and then gone next year have you heard anything about that thing coming back it feels so weird to not have a major event there yeah i would say it's definitely not not coming back but there's nothing really there's no real major developments i'll be surprised if it doesn't come back in some form i commentated that event when it was a challenger not last year the year before um the challenger's close to my heart mate i've been doing the aerosphere event each year i've got to say overall i'm i'm not i'm not worried but i'm not worried about the challenger series i think it'll be fine think it'll be just fine um this is still a long way off really is it no it's like two months it's done we don't even know who's in it yet we don't know who's failed on the ct we don't know who's done well from the regions and the qs so we don't you know it's plenty of time mate there's a couple of events locked in you, you you mentioned in your story the australian events right the the gold coast and, and sydney they're the first two events other than that I, i'm sure it'll all work out i would be I would say it's inconceivable that Erisera won't won't have a, a great sponsor and won't be a great great event, um, and I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's I think it's all going to be okay for the challengers. Don't worry. I just want to reassure surf fans around the world the challenger series is going to be fine. It's fine now that they're nice, comfortable, reassured. Let's just uh, take another turn in this roller coaster. The kind of biggest point in this story is that Haliva we've heard is not going to be a challenger series event this year and that would be weird we've heard that that's going to be downgraded to a regional qs event so i agree with you in general like they'll figure it out even that weird covid year i guess the last time france ran the only time it ran as a challenger series they still pulled it off they still were able to graduate a class of the ct but this year it seems like the sponsorship thing has been an issue and as a result it's not going to look like what the original plan was but they'll figure it out the league will figure it out it's just going to have some challenges i mean true to the name um have i ever told you about my sort of alternative um method of qualifying surface for the ct we got into this i would love to hear it i'm not sure i had before do you want to hear it real do you want to hear it real quick um yeah i mean this is something i've been saying for a while before before the sort of finals day format came out but i'd like to see a surf off 
Um, I would love to see the, the bottom surfers on the CT surf against the best qualifiers, just direct one-on-one -on -one heats. Got overlapping heats of an hour. Originally, I wanted to do it at pipe, and then when the tour finished at pipe, I thought, how cool would that be when you just literally surf in the for your future? Um, I'd like to see that happen. Obviously, you know, I love the Challenger series, but if, if in somehow that, that couldn't happen, I would go with the Evans format of the surf-offs, and it's worked for crowning world champions. Why couldn't it work? for qualifying as well. I mean, imagine so much at stake. Yeah, I've got a format for the for the longboard tour as well. Yeah, <laughs> while we're here, while we're here, go ahead. This one's even better. Um, I think they got it slightly wrong with the with the longboards. Um, I'd like to see, you know, in ice dancing where you, you choose your song and you have your music and you do a routine and you just got to get judged on that time. I'd like to see that with the longboard so they each get to pick a track and then they just go out and they get a, they get a, a score based on overall everything. You know, a bit of sort of fruity run down the beach and the paddle and just everything they do. And that's what you get a score. And so it's kind of like a performance rather than otherwise they're just, you know, they're just a wave catching whatever maneuvers event. I would, I would score much more on the whole thing with a nice bit of nice bit of jazz or, you know, whatever it might be, a little bit of a bit of you know, sort of Euro techno from the from the mid nineties, whatever your song choice was, that's all part of it's choosing the right tune. Anyway, I'm getting off the I'm getting off point here, sorry. Wow. I really like that. So it would start on the beach though, right? Like they don't they don't start the song when they're exactly. in the lineup. Okay. And you get one yeah, yeah, you still, well, one play of it. Uh yeah, or you can have a segment, you can have multiple tracks. I mean let's they they're gonna need fifteen, twenty minutes, aren't they? So you probably you could mix a couple of tunes in, maybe maybe a little three three or four song playlist. And that would be that would be part of your score would be kind of managing that sort of transition from from your your cool jazz into your kind of scream core or whatever it whatever it was. Love it. I don't think anybody listening would not want to watch either of those things happen. I mean, especially that one. I would watch. I I can't say that I have watched. You know, I wasn't tuning into Malibu. Sorry, sorry everybody. But that one I would. Especially we just ran a story about. Justin Quintal, and he was talking about how, you know, he's like kind of this Florida guy, everybody else, not everybody else, but a, long, a lot of longboarders grew up in a more hip kind of thing, and he's kind of just got the Leonard Skinner blaring and just that Southern vibe to him, so his performance would be interesting. I wonder, I wonder how it would score, but yeah, I like it. I'm in. You have my signature. Well, the Wazzle can have those ideas for free. No worries. I'm here to help. Mm. One more for them while we're at it. I've been thinking about how, okay, if they like this, they clearly are just thinning down the field in the CT, right? Like they went with the mid-year cut, that trims a third down, and then they make it so that you have this five-person surf off. I think the CS should just be the size of the current CT. I feel like that would make it a much more easy tour to follow. You'd avoid those 18 and a half hour days in Pantene, getting through so many heats to get it done. I mean, the... The QS seems like it's all just regional sponsorship anyway, so that would be uplifted a bit, I would imagine. And then if you just keep the CS at the size of the current CT, that's going to matter way more. Those events are going to draw way more attention and then just have a real lean field for the top ranks. And then we could work that surf off in somehow. I mean, that's a great idea. So here we go. Let's see how it goes. I mean, the Rip Curl signed that deal for the finals for three years. So right now, this year at Lowers, 
you have to think they're trying to get something signed for 2024, but as far as we've heard, it's just this year lowers and then go from there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we keep seeing some changes, especially seeing that like they're having a hard time getting these challenger series events funded. So let's see. I, I have a weird little hunch in the belly that we're going to see additional changes to the, to the WSL system for 2024. Whether or not they take Paul's ideas. I don't know if they will. I think they should, but let's see. We can always bring back the Rebel Tour, couldn't we? The Star Rebel Tour featuring interpretive longboard dance <laughs> <laughs> and life or death surf-offs for qualification. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. <laughs> we'll fight them on the beaches. Paul. This is your story. It is about fossilized sunshine and people's quest to dig it up off the coast of Australia. You made me want to visit that part of Australia too. You really painted a great picture of it. Tell us about this story. Tell us about what's going on in Australia with Pep 11. Yeah, I spoke to Sean Doherty, former um, well ASP commentator. I think he left around about the time that the World Surf League took over, but he used to used to be kind of one of the one of the main hosts, didn't he? And, around the world. Uh, he currently works with, with Patagonia. He's also the publisher of Surfing World magazine. And he's a, a brilliant writer. He's written a bunch of books about surfing. A, he used to do for me like the kind of the, the tour wraps, the daily wraps for Surfer that were just, I thought they were just brilliant. Been able to just churn out that stuff every day and make it interesting. He was really good at that. Anyway, he's been, um, he's turned into an eco-warrior the last few years and he's good at it. Um, he speaks the language of surfers. He's kind of, yeah, he's, he's very credible. And also I think maybe some of the stuff that always helped back the environmental movement was a lot of the people you'd see were these kind of skinny, kind of meek, quite objectionable little twats, weren't they? With the little, the little glasses and just these little crap, little thin beards. And just people you just instinctively kind of quite wanted to punch, <laughs> even if you sort of agreed with their point. Whereas Sean just, just he's just, he's, you know, he's more kind of blokey and he's just, um, yeah, I think people, people he's, he's got kind of, he's, he's not populist at all, but he's, he's just a candidate you can relate to. Um, anyway, they want to, they want to um, drill some gas, dig up some gas off the east coast of Australia between Sydney and Newcastle. Um, and everyone thought that had gone away. And basically the last prime minister did some stuff that he wasn't supposed to do and, and, and now it's it's come back again. It's going to go to court. It's unlikely to happen, but um, the, the thrust of this story is basically about what the surfers in Australia were able to do with the fight for the bite, which was about oil uh, under the Great Australian Bite, so down the bottom of Australia. And essentially that was that was partly Sean and, 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 and a bunch of other people as well. And they put together a big campaign and essentially the, the corporate lizards kind of shit themselves at the the blowback they were getting from negative PR and just kind of walked away from it. And I, I just thought it's a great example of when surfers get together and do something actually meaningful rather than just people putting fucking black squares on their Instagram or whatever it is, just kind of meaningless shit. Actually, it was the power of social media and, and other, you know, ways that people talk to each other and actually did something good and tangible and, and fucking cool. So, yeah, it's, it's a little, little look at that and a little kind of update on that situation over there in, in Australia, where they like digging things out the ground and selling them on. It's um, still a really big thing down there. To be fair, we like uh, using that stuff too, many of us, but uh, delicate balance, they say. 
Yeah, there is there is that too, isn't there? I mean, surfers need do need oil. Do they need petroleum gas? Not sure. Um, we've got to get off the we've got to get off the fossil fuels though, Buck, haven't we? Somehow. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. We'll find a way. Well, this was a great story. This was one of those things that I think you did a great job at just having a broad perspective on it. Just, I think you could, it's easy if you follow these things closely to kind of be in the weeds and forget that not everybody has been following every step along the way. So from my perspective, you kind of just made it so that I could understand why you're going to start to hear about this fight again. And hopefully, like you said, it's not likely to go through, but it does seem likely that you're going to see some people, there's already been protests, you'll see some photos of that in this article, but you'll at least understand why that's happening again and the forces that kind of made it so that this is even back on the table, which is, like you said, just some little backdoor shysty maneuvers. Mm. I tried to do a little bit of baiting for the kind of climate deniers sort of crew, just sort of mildly sort of bait them a little bit just because I can't help it and I find them really fascinating people. But, um, you yeah, know, nothing, nothing untoward. Just a yeah, the comments on your, when we hit Instagram with your story about the sea level rise, uh, you're recording this right now in your apartment which will be uh i don't know how you fared on that map but basically you wrote that story about sea level rise and how that's meant to affect hostile Capriton, the kind of heart of french surfing and the instagram crowd they did not like that they they just accused us of being a woke sheep who are just following the agenda uh how'd that make um, you feel yeah it's, it's a bit sad really i mean i these aren't our findings. I didn't come do that, undertake that sort of study myself. I mean, this is just a report made by the sort of local government here. And I just kind of looked at some of their findings and wrote about them in English. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily any, any particular data set that I'd sort of gone through and come up with um, any findings. There do seem to be, Instagram does seem to be the place where a lot of those sort of characters do hang out um, because it's basically a swamp. So, yeah, um, but Instagram and actually Hossegor is, is also a swamp or, or used to be. And it wants to go back to being one. The reason I got interested in that article is, is because my house is um, where the water is projected to come halfway up my drive, um, which is which is kind of fucked. But I didn't go into that in the article too much. It sounded a bit like a bit of a humble brag. Mm. Like, oh, look, look where my house is. Coastal. Um, so, yes. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that is concerning. Although, I, although as I said in that piece, this is if they do nothing. I, I'd be very surprised if they do nothing, given that there's quite a lot of people around here with quite a lot of coin and houses are worth a lot. So I, I'd be very surprised if they don't pile up some concrete and some boulders and shore things up. But that was um, a simulation of what would happen if they just kind of leave everything as it is today, which which isn't going to happen, essentially. That's, yeah. You got in trouble for just sharing the findings of paid of just scientists who do science for a living so that was that was a tricky one i played soccer on a on a on a, on a monday night sometimes twice a week and a guy it's, it's almost like kind of like english speakers and and the french crew two two teams and there's a guy who's been a few times i just always say yeah well play bien joué i've never actually talked to him he came up to me before before we started playing the other day he's like ah oh, did you write that article about hostel and capital being underwater on stab premium i was like yeah, I did. He's like, oh, fuck, oh, man, I didn't know. I was like, mate, if that's where you're getting your kind of information, <laughs> I'm like, 
the sort of future of the planet, you need you need to think about your kind of reading material. Son. <laughs> like, it's, if 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 Star Premium is breaking kind of <laughs> is breaking news on um yeah what's happening to the planet, pull your socks up, mate. Isn't <laughs> that? He's a nice guy, a little bit lazy actually, he just hung out on the wing and didn't, didn't do much, didn't track back much when we lost the ball, he was a little bit lazy, but other than that, he seems like a nice guy. Well, to be fair, he probably just read your article and it's all still settling in. Yeah, he's like, he's like, fuck it, what's the point? I don't care, the ball's gone, we're all going to die. <laughs> That's a great place to end that one. Four surfers may have already qualified for the 2024 Olympics. Well, 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 perhaps the very idea that surfing is included in an event run by the most famous and certainly one of the most corrupt sporting bodies in the world, the Olympic IOC, maybe them including us is the ultimate form of validation for you and it makes you feel good about the time you spend on this planet. You're not just out there wasting it. It's a, it's an Olympic pursuit you're participating in. Or maybe you well and truly don't give a fuck that surfing is in the Olympics. This story is for people that fall somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't think... It seems like there is kind of a, a weird anger towards it, the Olympic surfing. Every time we publish an article, there's always some comments about, like, surfing shouldn't be in the Olympics, and it doesn't really matter. I don't know. But if you care at least a little bit, We've got a breakdown for you of what to expect, why this year matters for Paris slash Chopu 2024. And a big part of that is that four surfers, as the title suggests, may have already qualified. All right, a lot to get through here, but Paul, what do you think about the Olympics? Do you, does it make you feel good about yourself and what you do for fun or does it just not? I've had some emotional moments with the Olympics. The only thing that makes me angry and sad is reading about how the qualification pathways are going to work. <laughs> There's so much of that. I feel like in all the other sports, I, I mean, I, I, I know a little bit about the Olympics, mainly the track and field. I don't know how you qualify for any of them. I don't know how Usain Bolt qualified. I, quite frankly, I don't fucking care. I just, it's all about who's there on the day isn't it? I just don't care about the qualification pathway. So, yeah, that makes me really that makes me really sad and, and a bit angry. And fair play to anyone who gets to the end of any story, like like Ulysses by James Joyce. Anyone who gets to the end of it, well done, like chapeau, because that is is tough to sit through. Uh, thoughts on the Olympics? Yeah, the last one around. Was it felt really ISAE, didn't it? Everything about it felt like sort of tinged by the ISA, and and for me that normally means it's quite like uh, Latin America or South America, and it's quite often kind of brown brown water beach break. Even Japan looked a bit brown watery, and like it could be somewhere in Central or South America. I thought, yeah, the last one was a bit. I mean, I was angry about the last one because Monday got the BBC gig and so I was pissed off. So I was boycotting it. Yeah, that was that's still raw, actually. Um, luckily, it was in the middle of the night and it was kind of shit and no one watched it. So that, then I was fine. I started, I started answering his, his text messages again after that. Um, but I, I think genuinely Tahiti for Paris 2024 could be the greatest thing that's like ever happened ever and fucking to surfing ever. Like imagine one of those shows... There's live shows on a mainstream network where they're talking about the modern pentathlon. And oh, meanwhile, in the archery, and then they go, oh, we're going to go live to Teahupu'u 
and it's fucking eight to ten foot west bowls I and mean, it potentially could be like nothing we've ever seen before like mental good the flip side that might be the time zone is problematic probably for america which i guess is the only thing in the world that sort of counts is, is what the you know how the time zone relates to the u.s because it's where the audience is but it i think it could potentially be the most fucking incredible thing that's ever happened to surfing genuinely i thought tokyo was a bit of a yeah it's cool if you were in it but didn't make much difference to anybody else um yeah the one inch the other interesting thing about this one is the the, the french angle right so as host nations they, they automatically get surfers um, which you would be very surprised that it wasn't Joanne Defay getting it through the CT anyway. And then the question that is raised in the article, and I did get to the end of the article, um, about who's going who's gonna to surf for France. Um, Maxime is they're technically the highest rated surfer. You've got to give it to Cowley Vast, surely. It's madness if it's not Cowley. Um, there was some talk about Jeremy. He's retired. Brilliant. He's, he's retired. Michel Burrows, also amazing, but, you know, maybe his time is his best years potentially behind him. I, I don't know. Let's see what he, he brings us. But Cowley, to me, you know, he, he's, he's the future. That's his spot. I mean, he would be he'd be amazing. I'd give it to him if it were up to me. Yeah, and the U.S. women are kind of in a similar spot where they've already earned a place through the World Surfing Games in Heinen last year. Oh, and it's oh like, no. hell oh, yeah, no. I almost don't lost it. it. <laughs> Basically, we'll God. just spice it right up. Moana Jones, that's a huge decision. I mean, she would probably, in proper swell, there's a good chance she just sweeps the field at that place. So they could just choose her, even though she doesn't really compete much. So that'll be an interesting one. And then to the title of this story. All right, quick breakdown so we don't have Paul uh, hang up before we get to this last story because I really want to hear his take on it. But... Ten men, eight women are going to qualify through the 2023 CT. Two slots per gender per nation. All right, so the women's CT, five countries are represented. They've got eight spots to fill. It's going to be four spots filled by Americans, Australians, just because there's so many on tour. And then you have Brazil's Tatiana Weston-Webb, Costa Rica's Brisa Hennessy, France's Joan de Fay. And then it gets interesting because you have Isabella Nichols, who surfs for Denmark through her heritage, and Teresa Bonvalot from Portugal, who is not technically on tour. She was the injury replacement. So that is probably the biggest thing they're looking at, why they haven't announced anything yet. But a few of these girls are going to qualify just by being on tour, just because there's not these races like you have between America and Australia to compete for spots. So at some point, you're going to see the whole thing where they drape somebody in a flag and they you know do the torch and then... Um, that whole thing. They did it last time. They were qualifying surfers. So that's coming. <laughs> to feel 2000s again. Paul, I was very excited to talk to you about this one. It came up in the intro. You're talking about how you are just dominating this uh, Ponzi scheme, fantasy surf league with people who, you know, that early 2000s era was good. And basically this story, it's, it's kind of a story inspired by an edit that Quicksilver put out. It's called Saturn Extended Orbit. It's pretty much what they had to leave on the editing floor when they did their movie Saturn. And this is the WA section. Great surfing, great waves. Go watch it. But more importantly, this story. What it talks about is along with that movie Saturn, Quicksilver released a clothing collection with that same name, Saturn. 
you wrote in another article, I forget what it was, it probably had absolutely nothing to do with fashion, but you kind of just got it in there that it takes about 20 years for trends to, I guess, for a fashion trend to pull from the past. Usually that happens to be about 20, 20 years after that trend was first cool. We're kind of starting to see that. It's been hinted at for a while, but we're starting to see that with that early 2000s era. And I mean, this was pretty. This was a pretty good time for you, I'd imagine. So, how do you feel about it coming back? It was a great time for me. The fashion was shit. I can say that um, because I was there. The fashion was crap, mate. Y two K was it was dog shit, really <laughs> bad. Um, I watched I watched some of this clip. I, to be honest, that ellipse logo. That qu- I thought that was more like late nineties. I think that might be an anachronism slightly there from from um, the power brokers at Quicksilver because I, I thought some of that some of that stuff looked. A little bit prior to Y2K. Around that time, everything went really like kind of motocrossy and it didn't, the old idea was nothing looked very surfy. I mean, I, I mean, some people like motocross, but they're idiots. Motocross is shit. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know why surfing surfers want, wanted to look like motocrossers. It was fucking awful, mate. I worked in a surf shop and the, the guy had like a fucking motorbike, like above the clothes. It was just terrible. Oh man, it was it was a, a really bad time um, for fashion. Things do move in cycles, obviously, but some some periods are objectively good. Some clothes will stand the test of time, and you can look at a photo from 20, 40, 60 years in the future, and you go, yeah, it looks like the kind of shit guy looks kind of cool, or that chick looks cool. Not not Y2K fashion, the horrible little sunnies. Everything about it was fingered. But they, yeah, just it was just it. It was awful, really bad. What was peak? What was peak surf fashion for you then? <laughs> oh, great question. If I, what do I really identify with? Yeah. Well, I would say what well, this isn't necessarily my favorite period, but probably before that period, surf fashion didn't really follow the the broader um, sort of youth culture trends because there wasn't really such a thing as a global youth culture was there kind of before the internet so there were just scenes so if you were a goth you wore like black stuff and had this hair if you're into metal you look like that if you were a homie everything was puffy and NBA that, that whole kind of like global youth culture movement is, is a relatively recent thing I think going back at some point in the 90s surfing stuff was a little bit distinct from from what everyone else was wearing so if you think what was the sort of quintessential garment? Maybe one of those Quicksilver plaid shirts with the with the with the hood and the two and the kind of thick drawstrings. People weren't wearing that in other walks of life. That was kind of a, a relatively bespoke surf thing. It all is almost as if the clothes were the sort of thing you would wear if you were going on a surf trip. So it's kind of like almost like a little bit of a camping out vibe, or I don't know, maybe some beach sort of scene, bright shit. That, that was probably reflected elsewhere in society. I, I might be talking nonsense, but um, yeah, I, I I would say ever since that period of the 21st century, all oh, surf stuff just looks like everything else. It's just the, the logo is slightly different, but there isn't anything particularly unique about it. I haven't answered your question. What's the best period in surf fashion? I'm going to have to say probably like the, the, the norm core period that we've been through relatively recently. Of people wearing a quite a practical sort of muted fleece that isn't baggy, isn't tight, just a kind of a, a really sort of mid kind of jean. 
sort of stuff you could go you could go bird watching in or you could go surfing in and if you look at people wearing that shit in the future you're not going to look back oh look at that you just go yeah that's just some a guy wearing some normal shit great what's your favorite period mm, i mean i like the period that you described in detail with like the weird kind of plaid hoodies and shit like that like it's not necessarily stuff that i want to wear but i think the way that you talked about it there too is just yeah like that that was cool when surfing was just pulling from pulling inspiration from surfing only not just trying to take something from elsewhere and modify it so i mean i get a bit of that still in this in this kind of 2000s resurgence maybe maybe i'm just not wise enough to see where else it's pulling from i mean i think it never is probably pulling a little bit from outside sources but again probably not stuff i want to wear i'm with you on the kind of norm core bird watching surf crossover definitely with you on not wanting the motocross surf crossover um we do not miss fox here on this podcast this program is uh sorry alpine stars go fuck yourself but uh yeah no i I agree overall i mean stuff that you're gonna look back in 10 years and yeah like you said not kind of feel ashamed of yourself you see I wonder if this is going to keep going like and, and progress more into the 2000s and get like, remember there's that era where it's almost all about how complex could you make a simple product? Like it was board shorts that had these like embroidered crazy patterns built into them. They took a simple pattern, like made it embroidered, which would just rash you to all hell and was way more expensive to make. They were just, you know, whatever uh, poorly paid overseas workers were making these things. We're just having tough days, long days when that shit was coming out. And so I wonder if we'll keep kind of tapping into that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like the look and feel of the Saturn stuff, though. I'll be honest. Do you remember when everything was, um, they were trying to make stuff that you could wear for surfing and going to play golf and going to like a bachelor's party and they're trying to make this like multi-purpose stuff that was fucking awful no one i think that's one of the reasons why surfing she went bust i'm pretty sure they were trying to make board shorts with pockets that you could like surf in and then yeah go to the whatever like literally not no one did that not one person <laughs> i mean didn't quicksilver bring out some shit they brought some shoe out or something that you could kind of like walk over the reef in if you're just an idiot but then he could still like go go to the shops in didn't they i've got i've got a memory right amphibians amphibians yeah i've got high line something or other i I got a sort of memory right some text about some shoes that were anyway that that was a that was also a low point yeah i guess it all is pretty cyclic don't need to overcomplicate things um yeah but at the same time just yeah where 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 would have you comfortable in where would where what Mm. you want i i yeah, I, I have to sort of think a little bit these days. Um, as an older, as an older man, you, d- you don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to be seen to like trying to wear like cool kid stuff when you, when you're old, dude. That's that's sad. That's bad. Well, you know what else I wonder about is, like, I think it's, it's everywhere now, and you'd have to think it's, hopefully on its way out. It's like peak COVID when all those kind of athleisure brands is like $200 sweatpants that were marketed to you as something you could wear on the couch. And that to me would have to be looked at in hindsight as just like the dumbest fashion trend of all time. I mean, the fact that these things were sold, these like tech, just fucking plastic polyester shit, shit pants that 
you were told wear them on the couch and then if you want to go walk out and get a coffee on them you can and it's like tech but it's still just polyester and it's stretchy but guess what it's polyester um that to me was the dumbest it was just there was nothing cool about it i hope it goes to hell um i'm probably more passionate about hating that than anything else you seem to really have a and i've heard you right off the motorsports industry before not a big jet ski guy uh the motorbike thing it seems like that image of it at the surf shop really just stuck with you and haunted you so i think my my kind of chief hatred is of the athleisure trend and i really hope it dies and goes to hell because just fuck i'm that. gonna get my expensive 200 dollars sweatpants and come to your house on a kawasaki ax375 and do fucking donuts in your in your lounge All right, Paul, it is almost time for a search sin, but before we get there, let's talk about what's coming next. We have a Sean Manners Cult of Freedom Globe Park coming. Stab end of the year, keep an eye out. We have some whispers, maybe an edit coming, maybe it starts with a big old double spin, whatever you want to call it. Not going to tell you who, but keep an eye out for that. We've got a deep dive into the probably the most game-changing innovation in surfing for a while i'd say the inflatable vests really crazy backstory behind those i mean they came out a little while ago paul you're you're hesitant with that claim of it being a the most game-changing innovation no that wasn't hesitant face that was i was that was anticipation i was like Ooh, what's yeah this yeah interesting story there I and mean, think about it. it was pretty much shane dorian's idea and now a few companies have it marketed and nobody's died in one of the things you know the only big wave surfer to die recently was um, Marcel Friere Nazare, he wasn't wearing one. He just had an impact vest on. So legitimately, these things made big wave lineups so much safer, and they have a crazy backstory. And we decided it was time to tell it. So that's coming, and we have a how surfers get paid later this month. All right, Paul, it is time for the surf sin. I'm very happy we have you on this episode. It's been very fun, and this one I feel like is gonna be close to your heart. Let's hear it. Hi everybody, I've got a double surf sin I need to confess. Uh, recently on the podcast you had a school teacher with a double surf sin and I'm also a school teacher with a double surf sin. But the difference is that my surf sins haven't happened yet. They are both future sins. Um, they're going to happen soon. I feel bad about them, um, so I need some help getting over them, please. Okay, so sin number one. Uh, it's my wife's 40th birthday soon. Um, she's a school teacher as well, so we both have to work during the week and we only have weekends free uh, we live down the south coast of portugal right down the bottom the waves are not great but they're good enough for me and she sometimes gets in the water on the weekend when it's a, when it's a warm and sunny day and the waves are not too big anyway her 40th birthday coming up middle of march i need to plan some sort of a weekend getaway for us so it was the 11th and 12th of march i was looking at and i've been trying to uh, find somewhere nice for us to go. Um, she's probably expecting something romantic, um, something not too far away, so we don't have a long drive after work on the Friday. Uh, but then it dawned on me that there's a certain surf competition happening up in the Peniche area on that exact weekend. That's the weekend, the first weekend of the window, I think. Um, so I was excited when I realized that the dates matched up, and I went ahead and booked accommodation for us not too far from the event site. So after school on Friday, we're going to have to take a three-hour drive. 
so that on Saturday and Sunday she can stand on a freezing cold beach watching some surfing. So there's my first surf sin. I'm far more excited about this than I know she's going to be. Uh, and I feel really bad about it. The last time I watched a live surf competition, it was called the Gunston 500. So you can put a date on that if you want. Um, yes, I'm excited. She might not be, but it's done. Okay, so number two, uh, this is your fault, Buck and Mikey. You made the How Surfers Get Paid series sound so exciting that I am going to watch it. Um, I don't have Stab Premium. I'm a school teacher. I can't afford it. I could probably afford it, but it would be a waste of money because I just would not be able to commit to watching that much uh, surfing on the internet. As much as I'd love to, I just don't have the time. So it would just be kind of a waste of money for me. Um, sorry about that. Maybe that's a surf sin in itself. Who knows? But my surf sin is that when episode six of How Surfers Get Paid is released, I will be signing up for a seven-day free trial so that I can watch every episode in a single night and I will then unsubscribe and cancel my subscription. I feel bad even just saying it. Uh, I know you guys are probably cringing right now, and sorry about that, but let me know. How do I get over this? Um, thanks very much, guys. Mm, yeah, this is, this is right up my strasse. This is, this is very much in my, in my wheelhouse. Quite a lot going on here. Quite a lot, quite a lot to um to unpack. Where are we gonna start? I feel like you're gonna hit it a little bit harder than me, so I'm gonna keep mine short, simple. I think the lesson to be learned here is to if you're gonna ruin this romantic weekend, ruin it the whole way through. Um just be a real pig the whole time. Get that stab premium subscription now, even if it is for a week. Watch the edits. Don't get tempted into staying one of those like five star places that are just north of Paniche in that weird little, uh, you know, river, Malzone, up closer to Beach. Don't do that. Um, just go stay in a hellhole in the center of Paniche and really lean into this being nothing romantic about it. God bless you. Paul, what's your penance? What are your thoughts? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, first of all, I thought the first sin um, that instantly struck me was this guy's accent. Has it troubled me a bit? Because I'm normally, I'm pretty good with, with accents, particularly from around my islands. And I was a little bit stumped. There's almost like a little bit of Welsh there. There's like a Welsh tinge. Then he's almost got that kind of, one of those sort of posh South Africans that you sometimes get in London. There's a little bit of that creeping in. And when he said the thing about the, the Gunston 500, I was like, oh, that's kind of confirmed maybe. So I don't, I don't know what's going on in the accent, um, but yeah, but I think maybe, maybe slightly Welsh, but it, it did confuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, he says he thought he'd take his wife somewhere nice for her 40th, dot, dot, dot. So I decided on Paniche. Like, bro, you live in Portugal. The almost, almost the entire coastline is fucking gorgeous. Like, it's hard to find a bad Portuguese town on the coast. of these old fishing places that have grown and just that so many beautiful places and then there's also Paniche. I mean, it's it's a great place for waves, right? World-class waves, that's not in doubt, okay? That's why there's a world tour event there. Super is amazing. All the other spots, it's great surf around. It's not somewhere really you, you, you take anyone that you care about, whether it's your wife or whatever your relationship with them, you know, even if you're having an affair with someone, you don't, you don't take them to Paniche, do you? That's, that's not where you go, so... Yeah, that's that's weird. The only other slight beef I've got, he says, um, he doesn't have much time to watch Stab Premium because he's a teacher. 
bro, you get like 40 weeks holiday a year. That's why people are teachers. Like what sucks is you have to teach to kids that you probably mostly hate. The great part is you get loads of time off. I mean, it's the one thing you do have is heaps of time. So that was weird. Um, penance. Okay. Well, I mean, penance, it almost, it's peniche, penance. It's, it's right there. It, it is it a penance in and like, of itself. Yeah, Self-prescribed. Just... Self I would say there's only one thing for it, really. Uh, someone was telling me recently, another person I played football with, about the all-meat diet. And he was saying he did a meat detox where he only ate beef. So I would say your penance is, and you're going to peniche, it's super fishy. I think he should, he should have to only eat sardines, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for... How long's the CT? It's what four days? For so four days, I would say. I would say, um, yeah, just a fish only diet as, as his as his penance. Oh well, so the other thing I forgot to mention. He said he's going there on the tenth and the eleventh. Was that it? I mean, fuck! I've got some potentially even worse news, mate. It looks like it's going to be quite windy. So good luck. But yeah, it's, um, there's there's so much going on there. But yeah, just some just some wild people out there, I suppose. Wow. Yeah, I think you do get that wind too. That sometimes you get the smell of the sardine factory blowing into town. Mm. So blowing into your romantic boudoir. Yeah, yeah just when you're getting in the mood. Exactly. So I think we came at it from a similar place. Just um, if you, yeah, so many beautiful places here on and off the coast. So many to choose from, and Paniche, just none of that. So hey, sounds like you're locked in. Get the fish, get the subscription, and um, yeah, hopefully you can salvage a relationship by the end of it. Good luck. That is all we got for you this week. As a reminder, please submit your surfacings as videos. We are going to start putting them on the internet on Stab's Instagram so that you can more or less be heckled publicly. It'll be a good time. Mikey will be back next week. That'll be fun. He'll be at least 30% more married than he was last time we heard from him. And um, just remember, when you check the waves, you're only giving yourself the option not to surf, okay? If you're ever 50-50, just don't look. Don't look paddle out. Do it. Try it next time. See you next week.